Hello and welcome to Life with Frenzy podcast, a place where you will find all kinds of conversation like mental health, self-love, self-care, trauma, hobbies, and more. With this podcast, I want to create a place where we support one another in business and personal life. Hope you enjoy this episode. Now, let's get the show started. This conversation was thanks to Podmatch, an amazing place for podcast hosts and podcast guests uh, to find each other to do amazing collaborations like this one, as well as have tools and resources for this podcasting world. Now, on today's episode, I have the pleasure to talk to Corey, who is an author, pastor, communicator, and technicious pursuer of truth. Corey is both the concept pioneer and the foremost authority on the cravings of the soul. Through session, song, workshop, and manuscript, he is dedicated to the pivotal, pivotal work of connecting hungry souls to the joy of their maker. I am so excited for this conversation. Let's welcome Corey to the show. Tell us, what is life with you? Oh, thank you, uh, Francie. It's so great to be with you today. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to connect. And as as you just mentioned there, you know, I, I'm on a, a mission right now to remind people um, of who they are. You know, it, it's very fascinating. We live in a world of all this amazing technology. I mean, here we are, you know, different states, you know, being able to have a conversation face-to-face, um, great technology. And yet um, for all of our going to the moon and launching rockets here and there and and all the great things, all the advancements we've seen in the last you know, many, many decades. It's just amazing to see how humanity has forgotten who we are. And uh, I'm a, I'm on a mission to remind people that m- more than a brain or a body, they are a soul. And if they want to live a happy, happy, full, and meaningful life, um, it's something we need to remember again that we that we are three part beings: body, mind, and soul. I love this. And so, how did you start your mission? You know, to help each other out. I appreciate you asking that question. So I didn't start by looking for the soul. <laughs> I, I started, to be honest, I, I grew up in poverty. I grew up in in, in hard circumstances. Um, and I grew up asking the question, why? I, ever since I was very little, I wanted to know why people did what they did. Why, why do we say the things we say? Why do we do the things we do? I want to understand human behavior, not just on a social level, but on a personal level. Mm. And um, so even as a, as a young child, you know, and, and I left home when I was 14 years old and, and all the steps that, I, that I've gone through life, business owner, university, all, all the, the journey that life has taken me on has always been in pursuit of understanding what I call the deep why. What is it that really motivates us, peop- uh, us as people? What is kind of our, our root programming? And um, so I started off, and to be honest, looking in philosophy, you know, I was really deep into the philosophers from a very young age, Plato, Aristotle, you know, you, you go through um, Marcus Aurelius, Confucius, um, didn't find my answer there. I, I found, in fact, I found more questions than answers, hmm. um, you know, moved on from um, from uh, philosophy into psychology, you know, wanting to understand the human mind, you know, and, and for a while, I, I was really into, into, into Sigmund Freud and, you know, his whole, all his theories on the you know, the id and the ego and the superego and, and, you know, really looked in, in psychology to find the answers to who we are and why we do what we do. Um, and found myself shocked by a surprising amount of theory. (laughs) 
and um, no real deep answers. And and so I, I I jumped next into neuroscience. I mean, anyone who's ever dabbled in neuroscience realizes it's a fascinating study to think of the different parts of the brain and and how when you think of neuroplasticity and how our brain can actually change shape and size, you know, depending on the things we think about and what we focus on and then brain chemicals and the release of dopamine and serotonin. And I mean, all these um, amazing um, functions of our biological selves. And yet I, I realized that the study of all those things is kind of like, it's kind of like studying a car. And if you picture a car and you could say, you know what, our, our main biology the, what we see in each other, that's the chassis, right? Um, philosophy is like the the curves of the of the hood or the door, you know, and kind of the ornamentation. And then psychology and neuroscience starts to look at the mechanisms, you know, the tie rods that make the wheels turn and the engine and how it pumps and the pistons that fire. And it's amazing as all that is, it's it it's important to know that there's got to be a driver in the seat in order for this car to go anywhere or do anything. And I found that it seems like so much of our our social sciences today are focused on studying the car, and yet we forget that there is a driver behind the wheel, and that's the soul. So again, I did like I said, I didn't start look out looking for the soul. I, I was looking to understand human behavior, and that led me to philosophy. Philosophy led me to psychology. Psychology led me to neuroscience, and I ended up in the soul. And um, the the soul is something that I've I've come to realize over the years. And I want people to know this. It's it's not just some mystical idea. Um, there is a it is the the awareness of the soul is, is deeply rooted in mathematics, in the sciences, in history, um, and that's important for people to note that when we talk about the soul, we're talking about the non biological part of us. That throughout all of human history, people have acknowledged and known this to be true, and it's only in recent years that we've forgotten this. It seems like we've gotten so focused on the cravings of the body and the mind. I mean, that it's it's our worldwide obsession, the body and the mind, that we've forgotten the soul. And I would suggest to you that mm. that is the root cause of all the chaos, to be frank, that we see in the world today. Oh my gosh, I can see it. You know, who thinks about their soul anymore? Yeah. Like it's even a fight if we have a soul. Yes. So, wow, how interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and the interesting part of it is, I mean, when you look, oftentimes I will have discussions with people and I, and I have discussions with people from all different faith backgrounds, all different worldview backgrounds, and even just talking about it on a philosophical level um, or on a psychological level. I mean, when we think of the soul, some, some people ask me, what evidence do you have that we have a soul? Yep. Right. I was about to get to right. that. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I generally start by saying, you are your own best evidence that you have a soul. We intuitively know that we exist beyond biology. We There is something within mankind that we all know is there that that reaches out, that, that seeks to reach beyond, that, you know, we crave things that no other earthly creature craves. We crave justice, right? A completely useless craving if we're just thinking of ourselves in a biological sense, right? We crave the distinction to... to to understand the distinction between a moral right and a moral wrong. If all we're thinking about is biology again, that doesn't make any sense at all. That's not something that we see owls doing or even chimpanzees doing, right? We crave um, identity. It's one of our fundamental cravings. Who am I? Why am I? What is my purpose? Do I have meaning, right? These are non-biological cravings proving the existence of our non-biological selves. 
So I often start by telling people, you're your own best evidence. You know that there's something in you, you know, that is reaching out. And then what I, the next thing I often say is we have the evidence of worldwide uncoerced conclusion. And what I mean by that is, is essentially every culture in the history of the world, you know, you, you look back through all the centuries and the millennia, every culture in the history of the world, whether they, you know, lived in the plains or in the mountains or by the ocean, whether, whether they were hunter-gatherers, right, or fishermen, right, or farmers, whether they had, you know, they lived in buildings made of buffalo hide or, or snow or wood or stone, they all came to the same conclusion. And that is that some part of us exists beyond biology. And and when, like when you think of the the uh, natives in America here, uh, they believed in a soul long before the Europeans ever landed on Plymouth Rock. Now, the Europeans also believed in a soul. The Europeans brought religion, a, a specific kind of religion, but they did not bring an awareness of the soul. The American, the, the natives that were here had awareness of the soul. You think of the Romans who obviously believed in a soul, you know, long before they landed their ships, you know, on the north of the White Cliffs of Dover and, and the invasion of Britain way back when, they landed to a people who already believed in the soul. You know, the, the Africans believed in a soul long before they were ever subjected to outside influence. The My point is this, that the awareness of the soul was not evangelized. It did not spread across the world like, like religion did or like like how to make a bow or an arrow did, right? Each culture independently came to the awareness that they exist beyond biology. And when you think of religion today, religion is really, why are there so many religions? Well, religion has really been each culture's attempt at explaining what they already know about themselves, that they exist beyond this simple flesh that we walk around in. And so when you think that every culture in the history of mankind how they reach the same conclusion. I mean, th that's as scientific a fact as it gets. You know, I, I often say, if, I, if I'm sitting in the living room and my son comes running in and says, Dad, did you hear that loud screech? And I'm like, no, I didn't, I didn't hear the screech. You know, I'm wondering if what he heard, did it happen or didn't happen? Then my wife comes in from the garden. And she's like, honey, did you hear that loud screech? I'm like, oh, two testimonies that there was a loud screech. They weren't talking together. They were in different locations. And then there's a knock on my door and the neighbor comes in and says, hey, good. did you guys hear that screech? I'm like, okay, I didn't hear it, but clearly there was a screech because there's three different you know, testimonies from different places that told me this happened. Think, you know, Multiply that by thousands when it comes to the cultures in the world that all came to the awareness of the soul. Um, and like I said, that's as scientific a fact as you can get. I love that. And it's just, I'm trying to detach from somebody that doesn't even believe in a soul, but like, I know <laughs> that there's a soul. So I'm trying to ask questions that somebody yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, the, and that's the, and that's the challenge, right? I mean, to, we are so blinded to a certain degree by the things we see as, as silly as that sounds. Right. And, and the, the, it's a, it's a challenge to, to look at you and I look at you, right? And you look at me and to realize that um, we are more than what we see. And there is a part of each one of us that wants each other to know that, right? The, the, the beautiful thing about the soul as well is not only is it the root of who we are, not only is it the key to discovering a, a, a full and meaningful life, but it's the great unifier, right? We are all united in the soul, right? We, we all have soul. And, and what I post, post to you, I've written a book called The Magnetic Heart of God, Understanding the Five Cravings of Your Soul. 
is that our souls are all united within these five cravings pursuing the same thing. It, they are, it is, it is set apart from culture, from ethnicity, from any type of social or educational background. I mean, it is the great unifier. And I think that as long as we are looking at each other in our different sizes and shapes and colors and the different places we came from and the different accents, the accents that we hear from our voices, we are always divided. But when we get down deeper to that root core of each one of us, we find um, we find unity. I love that. And how can we find uh, how can we discover meaning and purpose? Right. Well, I think if you're first off, if you're going to look for meaning and purpose, you have to understand what it is you're looking for. Right? We oftentimes use words. Um, I'm a counselor and a coach as well. So I, I have a lot of conversations with people and oftentimes um, I'll have to work with people in defining the words that they're actually saying. Right. We oftentimes well, let, let's say the word example, like happiness. Everyone in the world is going to say I'm looking for happiness. Well, what is happiness? You know, you know what, what it's important that we identify this, that we, that we actually clarify the target because otherwise it's ambiguous. And if you're chasing something ambiguous, you won't even recognize it when you see it. So good luck finding it. Right. And so it's important. So if you look, if you're looking for hope and meaning, you have to find your root design. You have to understand your root design. Right. And so I, my premise is this. And so I, like I said, I talk about the soul in a philo philosophical se sense, oftentimes in a religious sense at other times. Um, either way, I, I believe this to be true. And of course, this is a much longer conversation than the one we have, but that we were specifically designed to live in connection with our maker. And when, when I talk about the soul, I talk about five cravings, of course. And in my book, I go in depth into what, into each craving, but I'm just going to tell you what these cravings are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, please. And, the, and these, and these cravings, I propose to be the root cause of every human action. You can, you can understand yourself and the people around you. You can understand Napoleon. You can, you can understand, you know, um, Julius Caesar, by understanding these five cravings and how we pursue them either in a, in a wholesome sense or in a negative sense. These are the five cravings, security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence. Security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence. These are the root drivers um, propelling mankind through life and time. And the interesting thing about these is if you read psych, uh, you know, psychology textbooks from the last 200 years, um, the first four will be everywhere. Um, psychologists have been heralding this for, like I said, for centuries, security, identity, independence, significance, that they are root human human drivers. They have suggested that they are psychological cravings. I believe I, I categorize them as soul cravings because they're so much deeper than psychology. Psychology and neuroscience, for that matter, I often say the reason that they, um, as, as important as they are and as fascinating as they are, the reason we can get stuck in them sometimes is because ultimately they are a description of systems and mechanics. You know, using your neuroscience as an example, um, if this stimulation happens, it releases this chemical into the brain and you will feel this way. It's describing mechanism. It is not describing source. And when you when you talk about security, identity, independence, and significance, I'm I'm I believe we need to look at the source of those cravings, and that is not found in psychology. That is not found in neuroscience. It goes deeper. It goes to the core part of each one of us, which is non biological. It is the soul. 
And then the fifth one I added, I brought the four of them together and then added the is the innocence one. And I don't know how the world has missed this. Mm. Think of how much almost every fight you have ever been in, any argument you've ever had has been because you perceived that someone was either directly or indirectly accusing you of wrongdoing or wrong thinking. When we feel accused or shamed in any way, our entire life is changed by our either charging towards and wanting to fight that thing that we feel is accusing us or our wanting to run away and flee, right? Or, 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 or what we often do is we say, oh, you know, um, yeah, I may be guilty of this, but you're guilty of this, <laughs> right? I need to, yeah, I, I may say, yeah, you know what? I am guilty of something, but you're even worse, right? And as long as I feel like I'm a little better than you, <laughs> you know, that that's what I'm, that craving is looking for, right? Mm. So when you think of the craving for innocence and how, even, even when you think of today's cancel culture, right? Um, it is so based on this craving inside each one of us for innocence. If you're in a, you can have security, identity, you know who you are, independence, feel free to come and go as you please, significance, you know, believe that you are special, that there is something that sets you apart. But if there is someone in your life that's making you feel ashamed or making you feel like you, you know, you are bad or wrong, you won't have peace. You won't be happy, right? There is that craving that for innocence inside each one of us. And it's very fascinating because let's use marriage as an example. There are so many people in life. What are people looking for in marriage? When, you, when it breaks, you know, why there are certain people that are just driven towards it? I want to have, be in a relationship that's committed and I want to connect with someone in that way. What are you looking for? You're looking for security, identity. You want one that grants you independence still. Um, some someplace that you feel significant and someplace where you feel innocent, where you feel like you are accepted and you they believe you are good. Why do people get divorced? Well, because they didn't find security. Because, you know, they found an identity that they did not feel special, did not feel safe because they didn't have independence or because they didn't feel special because they felt put down or because they were constantly accused. You can go through all the behaviors in life and narrow them down to security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence. Now, the reason I called the book The Magnetic Heart of God understanding the five cravings of your soul is if for those people out there who are completely irreligious, you know, you, you'll benefit by simply understanding your soul and understanding that it has cravings. And if you want to find purpose, if you want to find happiness, you need to be in pursuit of these five things. Um, but for those of you who, who um, aren't afraid to look into towards faith and religion, I propose to you that these five cravings um, can only be satisfied in connection with our maker. And the reason, the reason I say that is this, we live in a time when you think, look at the world around us of unprecedented prosperity. Ne never before in the history of the world has so many people been granted such unfettered access to, to prosperity, to, to cult, different varied cultures, to education, to comfort, to leisure, <laughs> right? To education, to all these things. Never before in the history of the world have we been granted this access. And yet every study shows we are more unhappy than ever. Yeah. And, and I often say this, we've reached the top of the mountain and we've discovered, ours is a generation that's discovered nothing there. You know, for hundreds of years, for thousands of years, we've been told, if you will just reach the top of this financial mountain, you'll be happy. 
or if you just reach the top of this social mountain or this sexual mountain or whatever mountain you're, you're you know, mm-hmm. you're pursuing, you're going to find happiness. And ours is the generation that has reached the summit and we've realized there's nothing here. No. And the world is awakening to this desperate realization. And I believe that is why there is this, this never before there's this, there's just depression, this confusion, um, this rage under the service, uh, under the surface of, of culture. And um, I believe that that's at the root of it because we've been looking for security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence in all these places where we can experience tastes of it. You know, we can see the shadow of it. We can smell their fragrance, right? But there's no fulfillment there. It's like it's like smelling a great steak for someone like me, right? But not having access to it. And um, so I propose that these five cravings were placed in us on purpose. Um, that's why I call the book The Magnetic Heart of God, in order to draw us back to our maker, where they can be found in their fullness and in their completeness. I love that. And then you said that you were a coach? Yeah, and, yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I have um, uh, a number of clients, the people who, who um, I, I'm what you call a transformational coach. Um, so I have, I have um, clients who, some of them who are just wanting to kind of reboot in life and they're, they're wondering how to take the next step towards what they're looking for. Um, other people who are um, working at Google or Facebook, you know, they're, and they're wanting to like climb the corporate ladder Um a number of people, people who are in broken relationships right now, and they're wondering you know, how to move forward and, and press into the hopeful future that they see ahead of them. And so, yeah, as a coach, I come alongside those people and just um, help them get where they want to be. I love that. Is it a one-on-one or like a group setting? Yeah, it's on one-on-one. Primarily, often, I have clients... Um, all over the place, like over, all over the country. So, um, yeah, if anyone's interested in that, um, my website is coreyrosenke.com and on the, on the contact me page, um, people can book in that particular area there. And yeah, I just set times with people sometimes over zoom. Um, obviously I have local clients as well who I meet face to face, but a lot of it is over zoom. And really the beautiful thing about coaching is I'll tell you what the difference between coaching and counseling is counseling. Mm-hmm. Counseling is when someone um, is struggling in life at a certain point, and they know that there's something in their past that is unhealed and it's a wound that kind of keeps rising up and it's it's messing up their present. They, they can't live the life they want to live now. It's destroying their relationships. And so a counselor is going to help them go back into their past and work through that, you know, try to find healing in the present. Whereas a coach, um, come, I approach you and I say, you know what, I believe you are healthy and whole and capable. And you set the goal. You say, this is the target. This is where I want to get. And what a coach does is a coach comes alongside you and they're not, um, they don't tell you what to do. And as a coach, I don't tell people what to do. Really, I always say the answer is inside you. You know, the, the, it's buried perhaps under bias or, or, or wounds or misuse. Or, and so my job as a coach is to help you dig it out. And finance. So as a coach, I don't tell people what to do because basically, you know, the studies show that if someone is told what to do, there's a small chance they'll do it. But if they come to the self-realization of what they need to do, they will do it. And so that's one of the great benefits of a coach is that I'm trained to help you really come to a a new level of self-awareness that will then help you get where you want to be. 
And I love that you offer both because I have been on both, yeah. you know, uh, counseling and mentorship. And yeah, I see it as like counseling is like when you're in it, and you don't know how to get out of it. And like right now for me, counseling is because everything is peaceful mm-hmm. and I'm addicted to chaos. So like right now I'm in counseling, like, hey, how can I bring it back so I don't steer the pot when I don't need to, um, whatever. And then uh, um, coaching, you know, it's like that moving forward. Like, how can you get me out of this? How yeah. are we going to get to the next level? So I love yeah. that, that you have both perspectives yeah. to know well, what a person is, needs. Yeah. And the truth is that most of us don't live lives of intention. Mm-hmm. You know, we we know the benefit of it, um, but we don't live those lives. We tend to just kind of react to whatever comes. And so as a coach, you know, I, I come alongside people who really, they are able to say, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to, or this is what I want to stop being, and this is what I want to be, or this is where I want to get. And as a coach, I come across, I come alongside with intention and say, "Let's get there." I love that. Um, is there anything else that you would like my listeners to know about you? Yeah. Well, I appreciate so much the time. Really, I mean, if if you guys are interested to learn more um, about the cravings of the soul or about coaching, yeah, if you go to coryrosenke.com, C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N-K-E dot com and um yeah i have it talks about my book there there's a, there's a chance to sign up for coaching on there to learn more about it and um no i just thank you so much for this opportunity i just really want to get this out there because we mm-hmm. we live in a world where i said there we are running around <laughs> right um catering to the body and the mind like when you think of it again i don't want to sound like a broken record but we have so much more than any other generation in the world and yet you can't help but look at culture and society and see that we are lost, that we are sad, that we are confused. And I believe it's because we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten what we are. Yeah. And if we want to get to where, you know, we need to be, we have to first off stop and acknowledge where we are, right? And then intentionally map out the road moving forward. I love it. Thank you for what you do. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to another episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. You know, you can find my podcast and all major platforms as well as my YouTube channel. Like and subscribe. And if if it's in your heart, leave a review for other, that helps other listeners find this show. Hope you have a blessed day. Bye-bye.